Hey everybody, you're listening to the Jimmy's Table podcast, jimmystable.com. I'm your host, Jimmy Humphrey, where I like to have conversations about faith, life, culture, and sometimes food. Hey everybody, so this week is episode 90, and I'm going to talk about what makes a great Christmas movie, or what makes a bad Christmas movie. No, no, I want to fish your red under cover and I should do it again, my rifle. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. And today I thought it would be great to invite my wife, Megan. Hi. Who is a librarian for children and something of a resident storytelling expert. So I thought she would be great to be able to bring her insight. And what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about 15 different um, Christmas movies, just in brief. And we're going to tell you what we like about each one, what we hate about any of them, and why some of these Christmas stories endure, and why some of them kind of fade away. And we're going to be talking about specifically movies. There may be parallels to some of them with books, most certainly. Um, but uh, I think it'll be an interesting discussion because I think we all have our own opinions over uh, Christmas movies we like. We could probably rattle off our top five, although we might be have a hard time putting them in order or disagree about the order they should appear in. Um, but I think we all have our favorites. And so today we're going to tell you about what our favorites are and discuss why they're so great because I think each of these particular Christmas movies have things about them that work and cause it to endure the test of time and appeals to multiple audiences and multiple generations. Uh, but some of them, they just don't hold up. Uh, so we're going to talk about those today. So Megan, welcome to jimmystable.com podcast. I'm happy to be here. And you're back again. This, again. You, you, this is the second episode you've appeared in. You appeared in episode 20 in which we talked about why marriage should be stupidly easy. Right. That was a great episode. That was a great episode. And this will be a great legendary episode because you're here uh, with me to make it such. That's just what I do. I make things legendary. That's right. So, let's talk about our first movie. We're going to talk about the most controversial movie first. In our marriage. In our and mar in life. And in life. It's And this is a cultural divide and you know we're going to talk about the movie that everybody loves or loves to hate and i'm sure without you even saying the title there are a lot of people listening out there they probably already know which movie you're getting ready to say the suspense is killing me i can't wait to say it that episode is or that movie is christmas movie christmas classic in my opinion do, do you have the same opinion no i don't i'm sorry i just don't that movie's Die Hard. There, I let the cat out of the bag. Now you all know. I either gained you viewers or lost you viewers here. <laughs> People are going to love or hate. So email me, jimmy at jimmystable.com. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I'm of the opinion Die Hard probably should be considered a Christmas movie. I'm of the opinion that just because a movie necessarily takes place during the Christmas time does not make it a Christmas movie. Die Hard is in no way about invoke the feeling or the spirit of Christmas. It is about John McClane trying to catch the bad guys. 
That's not Christmassy. Uh, I, I feel like when Hans Gruber fell off in Nakatomi Plaza, that was magical. That was a gift for all of humanity. He just wanted his detonators, and John McClane came around trying to stop. You know, I don't care what people say. Die Hard is a Christmas. I don't care what you say. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And you know what? I fully support you having your own and different opinion than mine. I let you. Who put the Die Hard ornament on the tree this year? <laughs> we do have a Die Hard ornament. It lights up, folks. It lights up, just like John McClane lights up Hans Gruber. So every once in a while, you look up at the tree and you catch a glimpse of John McClane, like, looking at you. So Die Hard is one of those movies that's definitely on the fence. And I would say, even though I would personally consider it a Christmas movie, it's kind of hard to say what makes it a great Christmas movie or a bad Christmas movie because there's so much disagreement amongst all whether or not it is even a Christmas movie. And so it's kind of like this unofficial canon. It's kind of apocryphal. Uh, as a Christmas movie, but for me, I think it makes a great Christmas movie because Christmas doesn't necessarily get in the way of a great story, and it provides great window dressing, and there are magical elements to um, Die Hard, and it has plenty of Christmas references, which is why I would personally put it um, in the, the Christmas movie genre. I mean... Doesn't, I will say, like, at one point, doesn't John McClane, like, he has a very famous line in there that I won't repeat. Right, yeah, this is a family-friendly show, and we have right. to keep our Apple rating. If you know Die Hard, you know what we're talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely. But, like, so, I'll give you that, but I just, when I sit down to pick out a Christmas movie of all of the choices that are available, I would not pick Die Hard. Because when I sit down and I'm like, I want to curl up on the couch with hot chocolate and a blanket and in fuzzy slippers, I don't want to watch Die Hard. <laughs> I just don't. I'm sorry. There's so many other good feeling, fuzzy, warm, Christmassy movies that I would much rather be There's watching. so much warmth in that movie. When he lights that tower on fire... I feel like I'm sitting there with a hot chocolate uh, nestled in front of a fire with a big cozy blanket and with some mistletoe hanging. Like, it just sets the mood for me, babe. Well, you know what? You're on your own on that one. All right. So that was our take on Die Hard, the true American Christmas movie. I think it's something that will never be solved. It will never be solved. It is an enigma. All right, so let's go on to the next one. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And there's two versions of A Grinch Stole Christmas. There's the... Well, there's, there's, more, than, there's more than two. Right, but, but there's, there's two, two that... popular that stand out. Two there is the Boris Karloff version that all of our parents grew up on. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. I sang. How about that? That's so pretty. <laughs> I think I even hit some of the notes. Some of the good some notes. Some of them. Some, some of them. Of the I'll, give you, I'll give you credit for that. Um, but then there's also the abominable Jim Carrey version oh of gosh. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Love, tell me your take on uh, Grinch. Because Grinch is much more your thing than mine. It is. Grinch is by far one of my favorite Christmas movies. But only the cartoon version. And I could honestly do an entire one of your shows just based on The Grinch and Dr. Seuss. First of all, just, you know, a 
tidbits of information, but Dr. Seuss's favorite character that he ever created was in fact the Grinch because he felt like he most identified with that character and the personal struggles that he had. His license plate on his car actually said Grinch on it. Wow. Um, and, just so you know. And just in case you guys didn't know, Megan practically has a PhD in Dr. Seuss. Unofficially, yes, I will claim that. <laughs> um, so anyway, I could continue to talk about that. But the cartoon version of The Grinch Who Stole Christmas was truly based on the book that Dr. Seuss wrote. And when the movie with Jim Carrey was made, they had to take a 32-page book and expand it into close to a two-hour film. And one of the things that I think made it such a terrible, terrible movie is that is Jim Carrey himself. And please don't get me wrong. I like Jim Carrey what? as an actor. I do. But he's had some good good movies. But Jim Carrey as the Grinch was a horrible Grinch. He was great at being Jim Carrey. His personality took over the Grinch himself. And he, instead of Jim Carrey playing the Grinch, Jim Carrey played himself mm. and he was far too big for that role because in the original version in the cartoon version and in the book himself the Grinch is a recluse he lives by himself in the top of a cave he's bitter and upset we don't know why but for whatever reason he doesn't like Christmas it's not that he doesn't like the town and the people in it he doesn't like Christmas and the whole cartoon version is centered around the Grinch must stop Christmas from coming so everything he does taking all of their ornaments and trees and the roast beast he is trying to stop Christmas from coming and that is repeated over and over again whereas in the Jim Carrey version he truly is a mischief making like he wants to cause mischief and trouble for the people of the town and that's where that version just ran right off the rails and what really brought it down in my personal opinion so jim carrey's just a runaway freight train that steamrolls the grinch and that's what makes his version bad what about the boris Karloff version, the original version. How do you feel about that one? Do you like it? I do. I, I absolutely love it because it was very true to the actual story of The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. I mean, if you look at it, the illustrations are the book come to life. But what it makes The Grinch a great Christmas movie, like the original version. Well, what, why do you... Because I, I personally, it's never appealed to me. I hate it. I'd rather not watch it. Yeah, it's got some memorable little things about it. And it's like, oh, you know, he has a come to Jesus moment. And that's a little heartwarming. But, like, I don't know. I just have never found it a very Christmassy movie. I feel like it's a movie that a lot of people can relate to. Because the holidays can be hard for some people, and they can feel very 
Grinchy or mm. Scrooge-like and bah humbug. And so you can look at the Grinch and go, I totally relate. I must stop Christmas from coming. Like, there are people who look at it and they're just like, I don't like it. You know, it's a hard time for a variety of reasons. But through what the Grinch realizes is that no matter what he does, he can't stop the feeling of Christmas from coming, that people that carry that spirit with them are going to have it no matter whether they have gifts or not. And I feel like his revelation at the end of the movie, when his heart grows three sizes and literally bursts out of the walls that it is in, that it's something that a lot of people they want this time of year. They want to be able to have that feeling, just that overwhelming feeling of Christmas and joy and just feel the spirit of Christmas just take over them. And like that scene in the movie where the Grinch is standing there and he's holding on to Max's tail and the sled trying to keep it from tipping over and his heart is growing and he's got that, and that smile just spreads over his face. I mean, it's, it, it's really just like that comes out of the television and it just like seeps into you. And so you realize that like, you know, this is something that you could feel as well. And it, it, it just invokes that spirit of, of Christmas and it can help people through a difficult time, I think. Boo. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people never really, people never change. What are you talking about? It's he's really no different than Scrooge. Mm. When you get right down to it, because right. if you think Scrooge was all bah humbug, and then by the end of the movie, after seeing the revelation from the three Christmas ghosts, right. he became he became a man who kept Christmas throughout the entire year. And we can only make the assumption that the Grinch is going to do the same. I, I can never relate to the Grinch. And even though I know some Grinches, and we all know some, <laughs> part of me is just like, uh, I, I find the people who hate Christmas always hate Christmas. And the people who love it, love it. And we are people who love Christmas in this house. We so do. We love it. We love it. We love it. We love it. But I also feel like even, you know, as I watch the Grinch movie, and like you said, we all know people who are Grinches. I mean, we're not Grinches, but right. we know people who are. I think when I'm looking at it, I can see somebody embodying the Grinch, and I can sit here and say there's hope for this person. Right. There's truly hope. If the Grinch can find cheer and be able to carve the roast beast at the end of the video and return all the presents and little Cindy Lou who is happy, then I feel like it could happen for anybody. I hate Cindy Lou. <laughs> little Cindy she, Lou. She, she's the worst character. She's terrible in the original. She's terrible in the Jim Carrey version. I oh, just in the Jim it. Carrey version. Don't even get me yeah. started. But anyway, okay, so moving on. Talk about changing and going through an evolution <laughs> and having... Uh, you know, a change of everything about you. Gremlins. Mugwai. Gizmo. <laughs> Just don't, don't feed them, them after midnight and don't, don't get, get them, them wet. <laughs> and you know, Gremlins is kind of an interesting Christmas movie because it's not so much about Christmas, even though it definitely takes place at Christmas and has a Christmas backdrop. But I think what makes Gremlins... Isn't that my exact argument with Die Hard? Again, whoa, this is a controversial whoa. pick. But but I think what makes Gremlins great is it introduces 
a kind of horror aspect to Christmas. It's kind of the, it's a curveball. It's something you don't expect. You think of Gremlins as something being that should be very it's Halloween. the dark side right. of Christmas. It's, it should be something very Halloween-y. Um, but there's just something about Gremlins that continues even after all these years. I mean, it's that movie is made back in the 80s. So it's over 30-some years old now, depending on exactly when it was made. But it's something that it continually endures. And I think people kind of like the juxtaposition of the happiness of Christmas with the terror of Gremlins. But and that's what makes that... it great. And, you know, the Gremlins also has... Uh, I forget her name. and It's been a while since we watched it. We should watch it again soon. But um, the, the girlfriend of the guy... You know, she kind of has a Grinch-like personality because her dad died at Christmas, got stuck in the chimney. Like, there's there's just all sorts of, like... What a horrible way to go! <laughs> I know, right? Like, there's just all sorts of, like, oh my gosh, moments with with gremlins. And I think that's that's uh, what makes it appeal. It's, it's almost the anti-Christmas movie uh, in that sense. But there's something about gizmo and those round eyes and that that weird purring that he does that sound like and heck i had a bunny rabbit as a kid that we named gizmo so you know i know you guys it's a great name it's a great name for a pet, for a pet especially a rabbit um and it's on my dog name list <laughs> but uh so gremlins i think it, it 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 ends up being a great christmas movie just simply because it's the curveball it's a horror movie something totally unexpected um and uh that's what makes gremlins great i'm not so sure that i could say there's anything that makes it bad yeah it's great we we we, we agree <laughs> so next a movie that has kind of fallen off the wayside but was very popular for a while oh but it's less so now it's jingle all the way oh. the the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie of Turbo Christmas died. Turbo Man <laughs> and it had Sinbad of course and that little kid when he's like you know here's to you dad and and, and the movie and he drinks his whiskey at the the diner uh you know it's it's great it's fantastic but it's also terrible, and I, I, I definitely think um, it's fallen from grace. It was pretty popular for about, I don't know, 10 years. Probably. I have it on VHS upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> and I've watched it dozens of dozens of times, but I think, you know, besides the really bad over-melodramatic acting that just about everybody in the movie performs, from the little kid to, to, to Schwarzenegger, to his wife, to even the Ted uh, the guy next door, like, oh, he, Phil Hartman was pretty funny in it. And Sinbad provided some pretty good relief. And, and, and Schwarzenegger was funny. It had, it had a little charm. I will say that I give that movie credit. Because if it were not for that movie, I would not know all the names of the reindeer. <laughs> because there is a scene in there where Arnold Schwarzenegger is running down the street to the radio station... Because if he can recite all the names of the reindeer, then he'll be able to get that Turbo Man action figure. And he's running down the street and he's going, Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donner, Blitzen. <laughs> and he repeats it over and over right. and over again. And ever since watching that movie, I have never, like, that is how I say it. 
the like and I see Arnold Schwarzenegger running down the street whenever I have to you know whenever I rattle off all the reindeer names so I give the movie props for that because if it weren't for that I really probably don't know how I would remember <laughs> all the reindeer names other than I might be able to guess a few there's Comet or Dasher but right. nope but the, so there are enjoyable elements to the movie but I think it has lacked the endurance and is going to be one of those movies that we it, it's kind of fallen on a lot of hit lists if you look out there of of worst Christmas movies of all time and I think it's kind of fallen out of vogue in part because it's no longer relatable. We it, once upon a time we lived in a culture where you went to the store to try to hurry to get the hottest oh, you Christmas stood in line item. Days right. before. But Amazon Prime has effectively killed that, and we no longer stand in line for that one hot Christmas item. I don't even know that there is such a thing anymore. I, I can't remember the last time there was like a must-have Christmas item. I mean, there's definitely some hot ones. Like I know the what the latest PlayStation just came out or whatever, and so there's been some things, but. There hasn't been the craze. Well, and there's so many things now that you can pre-order. Right. You, because of online and some other things that they, or, you know, Amazon, like you said. And a lot of stores will offer, you know, pre-orders on things. So it negates the having to literally camp out right. at a store to get the latest and the greatest. Right. And so I, I think for that reason, Jingle All The Way, it's being ultimately killed by technology just it's not anything anybody can relate to anymore um so maybe they need to revisit jingle all the way and like tell it from the perspective of an amazon prime delivery driver <laughs> <laughs> like i just don't i just don't see jingle all the way last anymore that would be a great christmas movie like a disgruntled amazon driver that would be fantastic epic or they could or they could have a movie where the amazon Delivery drivers competing with porch pirates who are constantly <laughs> going behind and no, he's stealing he's battling them. just one porch pirate right. that he constantly, right. like, he's always one step ahead of the Amazon driver. Maybe, uh, maybe uh, what's his name from Home Alone could direct it? Uh, Macaulay Culkin. We could get Ma Macaulay <laughs> Culkin. 40 years old. No, 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 oh Macaulay Culkin. Anyway, so next movie, The Santa Claus. I think The Santa Claus was a pretty popular movie for a while and it's kind of not as fashionable and it's not enduring it seems to be on a slow fade and i don't know why that is because i really enjoyed it for the longest time but I, I almost feel like the sequels that they launched you know with uh the second and third one especially the third one which had uh martin short in it just something about oh, those God. just killed it and it just, it just doesn't endure anymore and i'm not i'm not quite sure why it's hard to say. I will say, I I do love the first one. Yeah, the first one. I great. will watch the first one all the time. Like my my favorite scene in the movie is when they're getting Tim Allen prepped and ready to go, and you have that like great walkout movie mantra <laughs> um, with Bernard and his son and Tim Allen dressed in like red lame satin suit. It's right. hysterical. Um but, you know, I feel like it's, I don't know. I mean, it, it's just, it's a feel-good movie, right. totally. But I feel like there's a possibility that the second and third ones kind of 
detracted from the greatness that the first one was. Right. Like, it's just, the second one was okay at best. I'll give you that one with the Mrs. Claus and him getting married. But the problem is that one's just not, it's not believable. Right. You know, I mean, yes, the whole thing is not believable, but, you know, they, they really stretched it. And then with the Martin Short in the third one was just terrible. But I think the thing that makes Santa Claus work is that it's a it's a story about a redeemable Christmas. It's about a Christmas gone wrong that we kind of try to salvage. And we can relate to that even from, you know, him being the single dad who's trying to handle make it work, make it work for his son. And he's got the burnt turkey and they go to Denny's and, and all that stuff. But then it spins out into him accidentally killing Santa Claus on his roof and right. having to make the Legit, best of a... he's a murderer. Right, and he's having to make the best of a bad situation. And I think there's something great about that story, but I don't know, it just doesn't feel like it's culturally sticking as much as it used to. Right. You know, and I think there's also one of the things that I like about the Santa Claus is that, you know, every kid wants, like, they believe in, they want, they believe in Santa Claus. Or right. a lot of kids do. And then there's that moment, and I think it's totally relatable, which is very important in Christmas movies, when, like, they're standing there and they're, you the um the mom and dad the mom and the stepdad are having the conversation outside the lawyer's office about when they stopped believing right like every person i would venture to say or a lot of people know that exact moment when they found out that santa claus was their mom and dad right and so this movie kind of takes that feeling and that knowledge and then it says, but what if my dad really was Santa Claus? And so I feel like it's kind of playing more towards adults. Right. In that sense. Um, whereas, you know, and then with kids, obviously every child wants their, that would be so cool if my dad was Santa Claus. <laughs> you know, I want to take him to show and tell day, career right. day, and introduce him. No, tell him about your other job. Yeah. So. Yeah, that, that, that one's good because it wrestles with the questions of belief. Um, and, you know, going on from childish things and whether we're old enough to still believe or too old to still believe. And I think it really invokes in a lot of adults that kind of, well, what if? Right. You know, which I think is really important. Like, just giving us that little glimmer of hope that, what if? The Polar Express, not my favorite Christmas movie. I feel it's too long and it's too much of Tom Hanks. Like, Tom Hanks plays, like, half a dozen roles, it seems oh, like, in that movie. He's everybody and, in that movie. Yeah, and then there's the evil satanic elves that work at the Santa's workshop, and they're kind that of weird. That little boy, that little boy that's on the train drives me insane. Yeah. He's so annoying. He's such a helpless little loser. Like, I'm gonna tell. Right. Just so annoying. Like, just rat-tattle-tale. I don't know. I think there's great things about it's a, it. It's a beautiful children's book. Right. Please do not get me wrong. But I think this kind of goes along with the... It's kind of in the same boat as the like the Jim Carrey version of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Right. You're taking a 32-page children's book 
and you're trying to expand it into two hours of inner of constant entertainment right and that can be it can be done please don't get me wrong but it is very difficult to do that and do it well because the whole point of a children's book is that you get the entire story in a very short period of time right you know most children's books are meant to be read and done in t- under 10 minutes right and so it's really hard to then take it and expand on it. Ten minutes of talking now becomes close to two hours of a movie. And it's a beautiful movie. It right. really is. It's well done. And schools have Polar Express days and all kinds of stuff. And I've heard of like people ringing the bells, the Christmas bells. And so, you know, it, it does bring up some magical things. But I feel like it was just... It kind of would have been better as a shorter, almost like a uh, a 30 or 45 minute yeah. version of it. And I think they could have done it really, really well. Yeah. It's like, I when anytime I watch the Polar Express and inevitably I watch it, um, I, I, like, I start watching it and I just can't wait for it to be over. <laughs> Especially since I think, I think it's one of those movies that does well to watch once or twice. But after, like, half a dozen times, it's kind of like, just get on with it already. Right. Next movie, Charlie Brown Christmas. It's a classic. It's a classic. I mean, I still, I feel like I can't turn the radio or my Pandora station on, you know, with at least a couple of songs into it. Charlie Brown Christmas theme is coming on. Right. Um, so, and everybody knows it. Like, you hear that piano going. Right. And you can just see Linus and everybody dancing in the big do, 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 like, do, right. Do, do. right. And I, I think the one thing that I really like about the Charlie Brown Christmas is it's actually one of the few quasi-religious Christmas movies out there that actually, you know, fit into the season. It's not overly preachy. It's not overly jesus It's Jesus-y. not in your face. It's not in your face. Like, I think, like, most of the Christmas movies that you would see that are specifically about Jesus, and it's it's ironic. Most of the, like, we didn't even talk, we're not even going to talk about those movies today, but most of the Christmas movies out there that are strictly about Jesus and the virgin birth are trash, as far as I'm concerned. They're not even worth mentioning. I can't even sit here and think of one that I would like. Like, they're poorly told stories, like... And they just don't work on screen. And as much as the Gospels make them great and all that stuff, it just doesn't, they just, nobody's ever wrapped around. But I like Charlie Brown Christmas because it gets the story of Jesus in with Linus reciting at the end the the Gospel story of of Jesus' birth. And it does it in such a, like, inspiring way that's absolutely magical in a way that, like, normal Jesus-y Christmas movies just don't ever seem to capture. And there's just something about Linus reciting the gospel story that just clicks. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's because of the youth of it or the simplicity of... Like, I think that's what makes it great. The simplicity of it. Well, and I think they... I don't want to... It's hard for me to say, but... I almost think they accomplished... Or they were able to get away with becoming a little Jesus. Right. Um, or entering Jesus in there because they did it in a cartoon. Right. And these are kids delivering a Christmas story. Like, right. who is going to fault 
a child who innocently gets up and recites the story of, you know, the first Christmas or the birth of Jesus. And whereas, like you said, some of these other movies that are like real live in person, you know, those are trying to tell the, the magnitude of that story. Whereas Linus just simply told it. Right. He just got up there and he said it. And it's, it's simple, it's innocent, and pure, and it's beautiful. Yeah, I agree. Miracle on 34th Street. Now, it's been a classic, long classic, but I think Miracle on 34th Street's kind of losing some of its luster and appeal. And even though there are definitely people who definitely still like it. I love it. And my mom loves it, and I know a lot of people that do. But I think it's probably going to die in the next decade or so. I'll tell you why I love this movie. So my favorite scene in the movie is when they're in court and the judge is starting to make the ruling on whether or not this man is Santa Claus. And all of a sudden, um, the judge is brought... A bill, money, and looks down at it and says, well, if the United States government can print in God we trust on the bills, then we can, then who's to say, then who am I to say that this person is not Santa Claus? So I feel like that has always resonated with me in this movie um, just simply because, you know, it, it's like, yeah, we do say that. So it kind of gives you permission to, as an adult, to still believe right. in the magic of Santa Claus. And I think that's what I love about that movie. I think it doesn't work anymore, one, because it's largely black and white. And even though I know there's a color version, you almost always see it in black and white because the... The, the color version looks so wonky, you're better off just watching it in black and white. But the idea of a Christmas court movie, court drama, like, I just don't think the court drama holds up, and it's kind of cheesy, and it's not so magical. And yeah, it has the little girl struggling to believe if there is a Santa, especially since her mom's pretty much the diehard atheist of Santa Claus. Right. Um, and wants to screw over Christmas for her daughter. But, uh, you know, there's appeals to it. I see why it is. I've enjoyed the movie over the years. But I just think the 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 courtroom drama aspect of it just makes it kind of like, uh, okay, you know, strong pass. I don't see the 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 story. It's, it's too much of a derivative of Christmas. It doesn't really stick so strongly, I think, or contribute anything to the mythology of Christmas. It's kind of just like a gotcha movie. And I don't know. It just it just doesn't work for me. I don't think it has the appeal. And I think it's kind of on its way out. Yeah. Courtroom drama Christmas just doesn't work. <laughs> so we, we didn't pick out for this one any particular one. <laughs> Because they're pretty much all the same. They're all the same. And you can probably guess what we're talking about. 
all the Hallmark Christmas movies or the Netflix or the Lifetime movies. Oh, no, don't bring Lifetime into this. Yeah, okay, we won't bring Lifetime nah, into No, 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 no. Lifetime is, is, no. Hallmark Christmas movies. Love to hate them, but deep down inside, I think, even if you love to hate it, you still find yourself a little bit in love with it. That's what they want. And, and they know Hallmark has made... Everybody knows how a Hallmark movie is going to turn out. Within the first two minutes of the story, you can pick out who's going to fall in love. You can generally decide what conflict they're going to have. Um, and you will be able to predict the ending. And that's okay. Hallmark knows that everybody knows that. <laughs> and, and But they continue, obviously, to use the same format and just churn out movie after movie after movie on this same organizational platform. Because I feel like even though people know how it's going to turn out, they're still going to sit and watch it because they know from the very beginning that no matter what happens in the movie, by the time it's over, they're going to feel good about the world. And I feel like that's where, you know, and Hallmark is just synonymous with things that make you feel good. The cards, the shops, the, you know, the movies that they have. And they don't just have Christmas movies. Like, we're talking, they have, <laughs> you know, they have movies all year long following this same exact right. format. And they get the same actors and actresses. And they just recycle them in different <laughs> movies. So, you know. It's... Hallmark Christmas movies are kind of like the Bob Ross painting of Christmas movies. It's very paint Happy by numbers. It's, it's very trees. paint by numbers. You know what to expect. You know what you're getting sold going in. You're not about to see Bob Ross paint a Mona Lisa or anything that's going to become a Mona yeah. Lisa. But you know it's going to make you feel good and you're going to like the end product. So you Might watch it anyway. Might be a little anyway. messy in the middle. Right. But by the time, by the end, there's just going to be that big finish. And there you go. Right. So that's, I think that's in a nutshell what makes it work. Is it, are they terrible? Yes. Are they great? No. But it works because it's a very expected, it's a very cathartic experience watching it. We all love the love story behind it. We love that none of them, for the most part, are ever suffering from material want. Uh, and if they do, it's quickly resolved. <laughs> um, everybody gets what they want for Christmas. Nobody's heart is broken. Right. Um, and Santa always delivers the goods. And frankly, when it comes to Christmas, that's what we all want, isn't it? We all want a Christmas in which Santa delivers the goods and we get what we want. And that's Hallmark Christmas movies. In a Hallmark nutshell. just ties it up in a beautiful package with a nice bow on it. It's just a it's just a great you just know it's gonna be a great film. National Lampoon Christmas Vacation <laughs> with Chevy Chase. The blessing. The blessing. <laughs> I think what makes Chevy Chase's Christmas Vacation so great is it appeals to the dysfunctional family storyline that I think so many people could relate to. I, I, I didn't grow up in a dysfunctional family and all of our Christmases no, were either. very good. 
But I think we all have had Christmases we where all we wondered. Right. We all recognize the Uncle Eddie, uh, you know. <laughs> parks outside. Who parks outside, who shows up. his boss. No. Nah, the, the inappropriate guest, the person who shows up that you don't really want there, but. You keep them around because they're family or they're and a loved one. We could spend so much time just quoting lines from that. But why is the carpet wet, Todd? <laughs> I don't know, Margo. We can all relate to wanting to deck out the house for Christmas and the frustration of the lights not working like you want them to. Like this year, I put up a couple of strands of Christmas lights on our house and I ended up having to take them down because they were all out after I put them up even though I could have sworn I tested them. Um, and that they were great and functioning. And there's just something about that that's like, I think we can all relate to the guy on the ladder having the, the sufferings of trying to put on a show for his family, uh, to impress the neighbors, and just being very flustered about the entire experience. Out there on the experience. lawn singing God Bless America. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just so many great, funny scenes about it. And, you know, I can't really think there's anything about uh, National Lampoon Christmas Vacation that would be bad. It's just... There's it's... nothing better than that scene where Clark Griswold is standing there and he on the lawn and he has those two electrical plugs. Right. He's like... And like the look on his face when he plugs them in and then nothing happens. I mean, it's just the most classic, priceless... And we all know what it's like to feel frustrated at the holidays. And I feel like that movie makes us feel better about being frustrated. Like, you can watch that movie and go, no matter how frustrated I get, I'm not having a National Lampoon Christmas. <laughs> you know, or like, Clark Griswold has it worse than me. That, make, that should make you feel a little bit better. So... Watching that movie can make your Christmas frustrations feel a little bit smaller. And I think that's that's why it's lasted. It's, it's the Jerry Springer version of Christmas. Oh, gosh. it's I mean, there's a kidnapping. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many great things about that one. And I, I think that's why it, it probably falls into everybody's top Christmas movies and has endured strongly for so many years like i i, I can ne i never grow tired of watching it it's always a pleasant movie to watch aunt edna when she wrapped up her cat right <laughs> inappropriate christmas gifts it's it's great. uninvited guests not getting what you want for christmas right not getting what you want when the bonus doesn't come through right but you already spent the money <laughs> so it's definitely a movie about our stresses and frustrations with christmas our family dysfunctions with Christmas, and that causes it to stand out above all movies. Next, Home Alone. We just watched this last yeah, night. We just watched it last night. I think this movie is great because it appeals to the not wanting to be forgotten at the holidays sense that we all have. Nobody wants to feel like they're being left out of the fun and the festivities that they're not going to get what they want for Christmas. And, and I'm sure we can all relate kid, to that. Every kid can relate to where Kevin McAllister goes, I wish you would all disappear. <laughs> and then the joy that he feels when he wakes up and he's running through the house and he realizes, I made my family disappear. Like, <laughs> you know, we've all... I'm, 
probably all imagined what it would be like. Like, I'm just so frustrated with everybody. I just wish they would all disappear. <laughs> so it's it's a great Christmas movie. And I think it it hits on all the the smells and bells and feelings of the holidays. It's emotionally complex. It's it makes you feel sad. It's sympathetic for Kevin and his plight. And he well, actually was forgotten by his family. neighbor as well that right. he thought was... You know, like the old man right. that he thought was like hiding bones right. in his garage or whatever. And, and then he was just a little old man who was, you know, trying, just tr trying on to the outs with his family. On the outs with his family. But then and, he got back with them in the end. And then he got back with them in the end. So it's a very cathartic mo movie. And of course, it's hilarious with the entire, you know, robbers breaking into the house and him defending the house. You guys give up or you're thirsty for more. Like, classic yeah. line so even though i would think you know to some degree that even though this is a christmas movie it's not overly christmasy yeah it has some christmasy payoff stuff in it it's truly about a kid defending right his home it just happens to be at christmas right it's it's at christmas but i also feel like a lot of adults people travel for Christmas. Right. So we can all relate to the frustrations that his mom feels of like, I'm going to sleep in the airport until I can get a flight home <laughs> right. and doing everything possible to get to family. That's essentially the name of the game for her is doing everything possible to get to family. And like, and that great moment when, you know, his mom walks in and as they're having their little moment, then the rest of the family bursts into the house, right. you know? And so, like, which begs to differ. Like, she really just should have waited on that flight. <laughs> she would have made it home at the same time. <laughs> but then she wouldn't have met John Candy, so it's okay. Next, Scrooged. This is, Scrooged is probably one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time. Now, you're talking about the one with Bill, Bill Murray, Murray, where it's a... It's a redo of, a reinterpretation of Charles Dickens' uh, classic tale, A, Christmas, a Carol. Christmas Carol. And I think I like that because it's a reinterpretation of it. It's making the movie fresh. Um, taking an old tale like Charles Dickens' Christmas um, and reinterpreting it and making it new for modern audience. Because frankly, you know, Charles Dickens... Uh, story just it bores me to tears. Like I don't care anything about the original Tiny Tim or you know Scrooge or any of that sort of stuff. But I like Bill Murray's insane take on it um, and putting just this modern sort of dark twist that's a little bit cynical. That's what Bill Murray is. Right. Modern with a dark twist. Right, modern with a dark twist. Bill Murray, <laughs> but I, I like it because it's relatable. Um, is it far-fetched? Yes. Is it dark? Yes. Um, but it, it, it makes Charles Dickens' Christmas classic new for a, a modern audience. Otherwise, I think Dickens, you know, with Tiny Tim and stuff, who cares about that, right? Like, I don't care about... God bless us, everyone. Right. That, that was great 125 years ago or whatever it was written, 150 years ago. But I, I don't think anybody relates to Ebenezer Scrooge. The Muppets Scrooge. version was was good. I did like the Muppets version. Muppets but I think version. I just like the Muppets more than I like the actual <laughs> Right, Let's right. Let's be honest. Right, yeah, that that's true. Rizzo the Rat and Gonzo. Right. And I just, just, I love the entire 
you know, just Bill Murray, dry humor. Uh, the opening sign, cross, a thing you nail people to. <laughs> like, just all the, the dark subtleties that is Bill Murray that somehow get wrapped up into Christmas. And then it just still have a redeemable payoff at the end with the little kid that works for, that is his secretary. And just, Lumpy got the girl. And Lumpy got the girl. <laughs> and and she was a girl that everybody's like, yeah, I could see myself with Claire. Like, you know, she's the not girl that's... Not too far out of his league. Right. Not, she's, she's not some heartthrob. She's the girl next door. She's not some blonde bombshell. She's like... The, Bill Murray's the everyday man and she's the everyday girl and we can all kind of relate to love at the holidays and you know so I like that there's there's so many things wrong with that movie I guess uh, but <laughs> that's what makes it so right right that's what makes it so right it makes it hilarious it's one of my classics I look forward to watching it every year and for the record I think Bill Murray gets something right with his his character John Cross and kind of having an apocalyptic take on Christmas where he's like, we want people so afraid that they're going to miss it. And like he shows that comedy scene, uh, the commercial he wants to run with like highway hostages and shooters <laughs> and, you know, with with a uh, nuclear bomb going off. And it's kind of like, you know, Bill Murray may have not realized it, but he was being something of a great theologian at the time. Because <laughs> really, Christmas, the Advent season, is supposed to be an apocalyptic event god made flesh jesus coming back or jesus coming to the world as and we celebrate christmas and advent season looking forward to the return of christ and i think uh bill murray's character kind of taps into this apocalyptic christmas uh idea motif that nobody really talks about except for well maybe me uh <laughs> but uh, and i don't even know if bill murray realized that's what he was doing but he did it and I he think was just being bill murray i don't he, think he knows anything else to be. <laughs> right, yeah, absolutely. But that's what makes Bill Murray such a comedic genius. Um, but anyway, next. It's a wonderful life. <sighs> Megan doesn't like this. I still like wonderful yeah, life. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know you're going to get a lot of flack for me not liking this movie. But I just... Oh, Jimmy Stewart running through this... Reach. I'm like, oh, it's so. I'm done. It's I'm it's done with it. it's melodramatic, but it it definitely taps into it. The, what would the world be like if you were never born? And it makes us think about all of our significance as individuals in a world where we feel like we can easily be forgotten. And it's kind of got that Home Alone theme in it with the being forgotten at Christmas. But Jimmy Stewart is just such a terrible person in that movie. Oh, what are you talking about? He's fantastic. He's like, he's just, I don't know. I will he's say. He's not nice to his wife and his child. Oh, he loved his wife. He's just at his wit end. He's at his wit's end. I get it. He, he was borderline suicidal. Of course he mistreated his wife and his children. Like it was over-dramatized. Yeah, it 100%. was. I will say Jimmy Stewart's a bad banker, though. Like he, <laughs> he doesn't apparently have very good mortgage lending guidelines. And he's just giving loans to all of the riff-raff friends he keeps just because they're his riff-raff friends. So no wonder the Bailey building and loan got in financial trouble and potter for all his flack uh even though he was a little on the shady side and a little on the corrupt side at least 
Potter had underwriting standards and was willing, <laughs> you know, and as a mortgage underwriter at a big bad bank, I can relate to Potter a little bit, minus the, the, the embezzlement and theft and doing Hopefully. all the... Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so I, I think, but I think what makes Christmas, um, or It's a Wonderful Life, great is, yes, it's a Christmas movie, but... It, it, it has that cathartic play at the end where everything works out. And I think, you know, we can all... All neighbors are coming over with baskets uh, of money. Right. Who brings money over in a basket? Back then, apparently everybody. Um, but like, I think... Muffins, maybe, but I, not money. I, I think we like it because we all can feel at holidays at our wits end. We can feel, you know, we, we can relate to his... Depression, his being, well, I don't know, I can't relate to his suicidal, uh, like, thing. But there are definitely people who can definitely relate to the being at their wits end aspect of that movie um, at the holiday season, no, the, nonetheless. Um, and the payoff at the end in which all things work out great, you know, we can also be like, yeah, you know, we, we this is a great time of year. There is hope at this time of year. And even though we may feel at our wits end, we may feel depressed, we may feel suicidal, uh, especially in years like 2020. The world is better with you in it. Right. The, the world, bottom line of the movie. You are the best gift the world has. Um, and you are a wonderful gift, my love. Uh, Thank you. You're you welcome. are too. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm going to take all your presents back since uh, you said that. That's, that's okay. You are... <laughs> You are more than gift to me. And I and I think that's what we like. We all want to feel appreciated. We all want to feel like we have a gift to offer this world. Um, and I think that's what makes It's a Wonderful Life so great is realizing that we are a wonderful gift to give this world and we have something to contribute. And even though we feel like we don't do too much, uh, that in the grand scheme of things... Our lives are wonderfully beautiful, and we make more difference than we even realize. And what a great thing to remember at Christmas, especially when maybe some of us feel like we don't have very much to give. Next, a Christmas dun, 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 dun. story. Arguably the greatest Christmas movie. 24 hours is not enough time to watch it. No, the Christmas story needs to be watched more than 24 hours in a row on TBS or TNT. Oh, and we do, folks. We turn it on in the morning and it does not go off. We love us some Ralphie and his search to get his Red Rider BB gun. It is a fantastic movie. Everybody can look back on their life. And think of that one gift that they wanted so badly it hurt. That they were willing to forego every other gift. Right. As long as it meant they got that one. And your parents thought you were crazy for wanting it. Your family thought you were crazy for wanting it. They played hard to get. Like this year I know there's a Christmas gift I really, really want. That I've been told no by multiple, by multiple. By my parents, by my wife, and I'm like, oh, I want that one gift, something I would never get for myself. I've not been anything short of so uh, about my <laughs> desire to have that one gift. So that 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 exists even as adults, and I think that's what makes a Christmas story so wonderful is that we can relate to that obsession over that one gift that we wanted as a child right. that we were worried about not getting. And I mean, even to the point of like. 
sneaking it into Mom's Life magazine and, like, uh, you know, writing about it for your homework. Right. And, I mean, it is the sole focus of, the, of Ralphie during this season. And, and when Santa Claus even tells you, no, kid, it's stupid, you'll shoot your eye out. Right. Yeah. I mean, nothing would have crushed him more. Right. And, and I think this is why this movie works so much better than Jingle All the Way. Where Jingle All the Way was about everybody wanting the one gift. Well, but Jingle All the Way was focused on the parents right. getting the toy. It was the adventure of the parents, which I think is another reason why that movie has fallen sure. out, at least with children. Whereas A Christmas Story is truly about Ralphie. Right. And Ralphie wanting... Like, his parents... Very little. Like, they, you'll shoot your eye out. Like, not going to get it. But then he, you know, it's about Ralphie wanting that gift. Right. And everybody can internalize and feel and remember what that is like to lay awake at night. Like, when he's laying in his bed and he's just staring <laughs> at the ceiling with his, like, deer in headlights look and this huge grin on his face. And you just know he's going to bed dreaming about that BB gun. He's waking up thinking about it. It is on his mind 24-7. And so I think that's where definitely where a Christmas story Far outshines Jingle All the Way. Right. Just the perspective of it. Right. The perspective of a child, the magic of it all, the enchantment of it all. And you truly get a sense that of the magic that Ralphie ha has experienced with this gift. It's totally taken. It's something he obsessed with over for months. It's something he plots and plans for. It's something he desperately tries to get. And it's just set up as a wonderful thing. And I think... Yeah, again. And and there's always that everybody knows the feeling of like you you're you have something that you really want and you look at the presents under the tree and realize there is no possible way that what you want could be under the tree. Right. Like we know what it feels like to not get something that was on our list right. for Santa. Um, but then also that joy of the surprise last gift absolutely um, from Santa Claus. Hey, what's that in the corner? Like, right. ladies and gentlemen, we have a Red Rider BB gun in the corner of our Christmas tree. Everybody should have we, one. We all know what it's like to be disappointed on Christmas, and we all know what it's like to have our heart's desires fulfilled on Christmas. And that's what makes Christmas Story, even apart from... All the other wonderful shenanigans with the leg lamp or Bumpus's dogs and the, Chi the Chinese Christmas Scotty beating <laughs> Scott Farkas to a pulp uh, and, you know, the, the entire uh, getting your tongue, tongue stuck in the, <laughs> the pole. You know, so many great cinematic Christmas movie classic scenes and that. And I think that's like it's just so over the top. It's ridiculous at times. Um, and it's corny, but it's w corny in a wonderful, wonderful, delightful way. And I would say there is nothing bad about Christmas Story. I could watch it a thousand times. I've we probably watched probably it. probably have. Probably have watched it a thousand times, and I'll watch it a thousand times again. We have the leg lamp in our bay window at home. I have a bunny costume. Uh, yeah, I, I got have a bunny suit. I got Megan the pink deranged bunny costume. Like the real uh, deal. Right. And and then we have a Red Rider BB gun that we put up every year with our Christmas tree. And sits that we, in the corner. Uh, sits in the corner every year. It's 
We've never taken it out of the box. It just sits there. No. Right. Like, I have no interest in... Uh, I don't even know if there are BBs actually in there. I know the gun's <laughs> in there. I don't even think there are BBs in there. Yeah, I have no idea. And it's it's a movie that has appealed to my family as well. But, like, even my brother, he, he, he the younger brother, Adam, he, he loves it. In fact, he recently decided to take his Red Rider BB gun and he decided to put a tactical light on it. <laughs> I'm surprised he took that thing out of the box. Right. Um, but you know, it's, it's, and there was great debate when we first got married about different aspects of the movie and like what certain thing, like whether certain things are, that was, that was good. That was fun. Great movie. Great movie. Finally, the last movie we're going to talk about one that has, I think definitely dun, on its dun, way dun. becoming a Christmas classic. I looked it up the other day. It was made in 2003. I didn't realize it was that old. But the movie Elf. Ugh, love it. Son of a nutcracker. And I think the great thing that makes Elf so good and the reason why it's enduring is because it's kind of like this little spinoff. It's this side story. It's this... Um... Santa Claus is not the focus right. of this story. It's truly about Buddy the Elf. And he's searching for love and he's searching for his real family. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to not feeling like you belong and wanting to search for something. And that's what he did in a very comical way. Right. Very over the top. <laughs> it's, it's got all sorts of great little I mean, in humor. reality, he should have been committed to a mental institution. <laughs> <laughs> he really should have. But it was great because... It's like even though there's nothing about the story that's believable in the least sense, it's it's a great it's a great story just the same. I think th we appreciate the spinoff series. It's kind of like the Mandalorian is to Star Wars what Elf just, is to Christmas. I love Zoe Deschanel. Yeah, Zoe Deschanel. It's it's definitely like a movie that put her on my radar. It's like wow, I really enjoy this this person, and she went it off and had her own great little career. Off that. And we, in fact, have her, some of our Christmas movies or Christmas songs that she sang oh, uh, she's on hit, her and him CDs. She and him. She and him, yeah. Uh, great Christmas mu music. Um, but there's just something about Will Ferrell. I like it for a Will Ferrell movie, and I'm not a big Will Ferrell fan. I don't like most of his movies. Well, and I think it's interesting. You and I were talking about this um, not too long ago, but... Will Ferrell, if I'm not mistaken, was offered to do a second elf. Right. And he turned it down because and and he could have made a ton of money off of that. Right. But he felt that elf was so good that it needed to stand on its own and right. it needed to stay a singular cuz they could have gone on and made a movie about you know, Will Ferrell, Buddy, and and Zoe's character. And their baby. And their baby, right. and their life, and they could have had some problem, and, right. you know, with Papa Elf and things like that. Their child the could have Pope. grown up not believing in Santa Claus. Right. Oh, totally. Like, we could write the script right now, right. but Will Ferrell turned it down, and I think that was a really smart move on his part. Maybe if Tim Allen had done <laughs> the same thing... We would love the Santa Claus oh, a oh, little oh, bit oh. more. <laughs> right. I, I, I think there's some truth to that. Tim Allen definitely, you know, got a little money grubber with it. I don't blame him. 
I'm sure he's made a pretty penny off it. But Will Ferrell is also, I think, a little more successful than Tim Allen right. has been breaking into movies, at least. <laughs> right. But I think also, like, the, the thing that makes Elf so great is, like, here's this guy who refuses to grow up. Like, he lives in a little delusional world. He's almost kind of like the Buzz Lightyear of of uh christmas characters like he just has this disconnect from reality um but in truth he's living the ultimate reality he knows what he believes right knows what he believes about himself knows what he likes you really like sugar right is there sugar in this yeah (laughs) Yeah. then i like sugar right (laughs) he has his favorite color buddy uh, the elf what's your favorite color and and so there's just like this kind of youthfulness about this very tall Man, you know... He's almost the embodiment of the child that we all have inside of us. Yeah. You know, I think I think at this time of year, like, no matter how old I get, I really hope that I still... Like, I still feel giddy and excited when we start putting the Christmas tree up. Right. And, like, putting all the lights and the ornaments and, like, seeing decorations and other, like... I become very like I'm I'm giddy and I feel lighthearted right. and just joyful about the whole thing and I feel like looking at Buddy like I would love to just stay home like dress in an elf costume and just go <laughs> prancing around all the time like there's that little I'm part singing. of me right right <laughs> but the best way know, to spread Christmas cheer is to sing loudly for, for all to hear. Yes. Yes. And I feel like, and I still, to this day, because when that scene in the movie, when they're singing in the park, Santa Claus is coming to town, and um, and Santa is trying to get up out of Central Park, and the little boy turns to his dad, and he goes, you're not singing. Right. And he goes, yes, I am. And his dad, and then his dad starts singing, and then that rush of just joy when you see Santa Claus right. and the sleigh fly over. Right. And it's just like, it's overwhelming. Right. And you see Buddy in the back of the sleigh, and he's just waving. And it's like, oh, I want that. Like, I want to be that. So I feel like Buddy the Elf really embodies the child that's inside all of us this time of year. And and I think he encourages us to fully embrace to fully embrace the holiday season. He holds nothing back. He puts it all on the line. He is gung ho about the holidays. Gung ho about Christmas and he wants it all and he wants Christmas to be the most glorious thing ever. And he loves Santa Claus. He loves Christmas. And he just wants everybody to experience the magic that he experiences at Christmas. And he wants to spread that. He doesn't know how not to spread right. Christmas cheer. Like, And I feel like that's what's great about this movie is that he walks around and he's just being him. He's not trying to necessarily, you know, make people believe in Santa Claus. But, like, he's just being himself. And you can't help but feel what he's feeling. It's infectious with him. Yeah, there's a strange innocence about him that it's hard to deny. Um, and it, and it's, it just comes off as so comical because it feels like, you know, somebody who's obviously like six foot five or whatever Will Ferrell he's is. really tall. Who's obviously an overgrown elf 
uh, who like it's kind of like, wow, you didn't figure out you're not an elf a long time ago, <laughs> like, and who's in denial about reality um, in a very Buzz Lightyear sort of way. Um, I feel like, but there's just something about that innocence that we can all relate to that we want we want to have at this holiday season, at this Christmas season. And I think that's what makes Elf the amazing movie that it is. And something that will likely endure for decades to come. I think it's a movie that will continue to relate to. Um, and it will last longer than some of the other movies that have been made in recent years. Like Jingle All the Way or um, The Santa Claus and some of those movies. It's, it's something that's going to hold up because it's just much more relatable and it's something we want it's something we want to believe and hold on to um elf definitely gives that and that's what makes it great i agree so everybody this has been jimmy humphrey jimmy's table.com and my lovely wife megan hi and i hope you've enjoyed this take that we've put out on what makes a christmas movie great or bad we've definitely given our take on what I think are the most popular Christmas movies of all times, ones that we could all watch. You know, there's ones we could comment on, but I don't think they're worth commenting on. These are the ones everybody's talking about. Um, These are the ones that run pretty much regularly every year on right. TV. And I'm sure we all try to watch at least five or six of them every single year, if not more. Um, and we don't consider our holidays complete until we've seen them. Um, and we, I know we definitely have our traditions of movies. We definitely watch uh, Christmas Story, Scrooge, um, you know, all those wonderful Elf, movies. Elf. National Lampoon. National Lampoon. Must watch that. My Mom, Miracle on 34th Street and Polar Express is always her must watch. Um, and so we, we all have these movies that mean a lot to us. So anyway, I'd love to hear what you think about our take on these Christmas movies. Tell me your take on these Christmas movies. Share this podcast with others. You can email me, jimmy at jimmystable.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. There's links to it in the, the show notes at jimmystable.com. Be sure to leave this show five-star review on Apple if you're following Apple. Be sure to subscribe, jimmystable.com. Subscribe. This has been Jimmy Humphrey with jimmystable.com where I'm having conversations about faith, life, culture, and sometimes food. And I'd like to just take a moment to, to thank my wife for coming on as a special guest today to talk about Christmas movies. Because Christmas movies is something that we love in the Humphrey household. I am so happy to have been here. Thanks, everybody. Take care. God bless. And have a good one. That's all I have to say about that. That's the right on, man. You said it all.